It's the first time Marcus Erickson joins us here in the Freak Nation. Your winner from last weekend's Nashville IndyCar race and a top 10 finisher in yesterday's IndyCar race on their home track there in Indy. And Marcus, after a week to digest it, we still can't process how you got that win in Nashville after launching your your car over Sebastian Bourdais. And I know you said after the race, you're not sure how in the hell you did it. But before we get into that, have you had any conversation with Bourdais about what happened in that accident? No, so I, I actually texted him after the race and sort of apologized for it, ending his race like that. It was obviously not, uh, you know, I didn't want that to happen, basically. So, so yeah, I apologized to him, but he hasn't replied, so I don't know if maybe it's upset. But, um, but yeah, I, I watched back the replay, though, and, and I got to say I'm a bit surprised when I saw the replay, because I thought the guys ahead of him were sort of backing up, but it looks like they have a quite a bit of a gap there to to whoever was in front of him. So I don't know why he sort of because he went and then he backed off, and then when he went, I went and I heard green in my uh, in my ears. They said my spotter said green, 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 and I went full throttle, and then basically Seb must have lifted up for some reason, and 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 that's when I went over him. That being said, now that you've had a chance to go back and look at this race, the result, this doesn't happen in racing, Marcus. <laughs> no, I think this is going to go as one of the best comebacks of, uh, of uh, I mean, I'm not an IndyCar history expert, but I, I, I'm sure it was not, uh, it's going to be up there on the list for sure. Uh, you know, when I was there on lap 10 or whatever it was and, and had to go through the pits and do a stop and go, I came out, I think, 20 seconds of the back of the pack in 25th position. And to then be a couple of hours later in victory lane celebrating my my win, win was sort of, yeah, I, I, like I said, I'm still sort of struggling to, to understand how that all happened. <laughs> Clearly, you behind the wheel, massive factor in that win. But who on the crew do you think played the biggest role in the strategy in helping you go from almost worst to first? I think it was a true team effort, you know. Uh, definitely, my my engineer Brad, uh, Brad Goldberg and, and uh, Michael Gara, uh, you know, they were, were were playing the game there with strategy and everything. But it goes down to everyone, you know. The 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 crew did the pit stop. Uh, the pit stop's great. The way we we changed that nose that was trashed on on my car uh, in time to not lose a lap was also obviously very crucial because otherwise we would have been a lap down and it would have been game over pretty much. So mm -hmm. there was a lot of things. And, and, and I would say the whole number eight crew uh, was a big part of, uh, of this uh, victory. And then coming into this season, I mean, you've had a really good season. I don't know what it is with you in street circuits, but that mojo is good. Yeah. Coming into this season, though, did you feel the pressure that you had to put up or shut up? Was there so much pressure on you to win or to prove that, Yes, I really do deserve to be here. Yeah, I mean, I went into this year's third year in the series, and obviously, uh, first two year was 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 a learning experience for me. I thought the first year was a proper rookie year, and then the second year, uh, so so last year was a bit of a obviously a special year with with Corona and, and everything, <laughs> and the schedule being all mixed up. Uh, but also for me, coming into last year, you know, it was a new team and a new team within the team with the eight car group that, you know, mainly came from the GT side in Ganassi. So it took a bit of time for us to sort of uh, get everything together and start, you know, understanding each other. And then, so it was a bit like a second learning year, I would say last year. 
And then going into this season, I felt like now I could really start to show my potential uh, finally. And uh, and like you say, I've had a really, really strong year. Uh, we've been working so well together as a team. And, uh, and it just feels amazing to finally start showing everyone what I can do. And then, you know, my, my potential as a driver. You drove through the field to get that win. Competition in IndyCar is so close. You must have found some little secret in that horrid track to get through those cars as fast as you did. Give us at least one of those places where you made up so much time. To be honest, it was not that many on-track passes. I think I did maybe five or six on-track passes, and most of them being in the in the restarts. Uh, I was going down into turn 11 quite a few times on the inside there. Um, so yeah, that was most of my passing was done in the restarts, and then obviously the strategy played out uh, well for us. And then I think the main thing with my win and the reason I won was the fact that when I got up front, I could keep the guys behind that were on better tires and better fuel mainly Hertha, who obviously was the fastest guy all weekend. And he was stuck behind me for for a long time during that race. And then everyone else, he was stuck behind. He got by after a lap or two. And, and with me, you know, I, I sort of figured out a way to keep him behind. And I think that was a big thing and, and the big reason why I was able to win that race. Statman, you just clarified that as a horrid track. And I will say, as we are watching as fans with all of the activity, for lack of another word, on track, it did seem to be like, okay, this is kind of horrid. It's it's entertaining, but it's just odd. It's a very different race to watch because of all the activity. But you guys as drivers seem to have really praised this track. Where does Marcus Erickson stand? Obviously, you'll love it because you won. But overall, from your entire weekend perception, what is good and what needs to change with this track in Nashville? Obviously, I won, so I don't want to change anything, right? <laughs> uh, no, but uh, kidding aside, I think, I think first of all, it was a, an amazing event. Uh, Nashville, the whole city was sort of feeling part of it, you know, and, and the way that the whole city embraced uh, in the car and, 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 and everything was just amazing to see. The weekend was, was just magical. So that was super cool. And the track itself, I thought when I saw the layout that it didn't look like a fun track to drive but then when i got out on track and then sort of uh, all the bumps and all the different surfaces and, and the fact that the walls were so close everywhere just made it such a big challenge to drive and i think that was the big thing for me that it was so challenging to drive on the limit and it took so much from us drivers to be fast around there that made it such a cool challenge that i really really loved so the more I drove the track, the more I really enjoyed it. And, and I think it's a really cool racetrack. Going ahead for the future, I think, if anything, is the section from turn four to turn eight, where you, you can look at things to try and do something different around there. Obviously, that's a bit on the narrow side. And maybe if we can uh, extend the, the straight a bit uh, before turn four to create a bit of a better passing opportunity there, I think that could maybe help the racing. The media made a huge deal, a lot of hype about the bridge. To me, looking at it as a spectator, it looked like a place where you could pass and a breaking zone at the end. Did you appreciate the bridge of all the things at the track? Yeah, I thought the bridge were, were, were really cool and it obviously made great TV shots and, and it felt really cool going over 
over the bridge one way and then back the other way. And obviously it was a bit bumpy. So if they can do anything about the bumps, that, that would probably help. But like I said, I think yeah, all the bumps and stuff like that just adds character and makes it even harder for us drivers to, to figure things out and also for the teams. And, you know, it shouldn't be easy. It's in the car. It should be tough. So well, I like it. But it is true. You're winning these character tracks. Can we see your hands? Do you have blisters like from <laughs> what many drivers have from Detroit? No, nothing. Nothing. What? With all the bumps. I, I never get blisters. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't hold the wheel so strong. Uh, I still don't feel. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, everyone Marcus, else everyone else is complaining about blistering and, and all these things and they're bleeding and sort of taping their hands. Uh, I never do that. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing wrong or maybe right there. No, right. <laughs> Marcus Erickson joining us here in the Freak Nation, Lucas Oil Studios. And Marcus, we know your tenure in Formula One, of course, now with IndyCar. I would imagine, at least back in the day, maybe 10, 15 years ago, that Formula One drivers looked at IndyCar as being maybe a semi-pro baseball team to a pro baseball team, or maybe an, even Indy Lights to IndyCar. How do you, a former Formula One driver, look at IndyCar now? Is it a, almost an equal jumping off point for Formula One drivers moving to IndyCar? I think it's starting to become that, yeah, because the, the the last couple of years, obviously, the series has grown so much, and then it's so many positive things happening in IndyCar. And I think the fact that you know, first of all, Fernando went over and did the 500 and and, and all that, and that brought a lot of attention. And then uh, when I came over, and then now Roman came over, and you know, we've been both doing well and really enjoy our time here. I think all that has just created such a buzz around the series over in Europe and over in F1. So I know for a fact that there is a lot of uh, former F1 driver and even current F1 drivers that is looking at IndyCar and, and mm. seeing that as a strong option for the future. So yeah, I, I really think the series has some some amazing momentum at the moment. And, and I'm the first one to say that it's just an amazing series to be part of. You look at the teams you drove for in Formula One, and frankly, they're not Ganassi, Penske-esque when I, when I compare it to IndyCar. Now that you're with a top-tier team, do you regret rolling in Formula One with maybe some mid-level teams and not being with a top-tier team like you are in IndyCar with Ganassi? I don't want to say I regret anything. I think, you know, everything is part of my journey. And, and I had a dream uh, becoming a Formula One driver, and I, I reached that dream, and then I had a great time there, even though I was in smaller teams and didn't have cars to really show my true potential so I'm, I'm still proud of that and i still think that i did you know well in, in the circumstances that i had in formula one uh, but with that said you know I'm, I'm really really happy that after my center i took the jump and so sort of went into the unknown and went over here to america to to take the chance and in the car and to be fair, I've always had my eyes a bit on IndyCar. I was, you know, growing up in Sweden. Uh, I remember watching IndyCar or whatever it was called back then when, when Kenny was driving, Kenny Brack <laughs> and the fellow Swede. So I remember, you know, watching late at night in Sweden uh, with my dad, watching Kenny winning races and stuff here in, in America. So that was always sort of somewhere in the back of my mind. And I always wanted in the future at some point to to come over and try in the car if i got the opportunity so that's why you know when when my f1 career ended that was the first thing i said to my management is like let's go to in the car let's see if there's any opportunities there so uh yeah i'm i'm really glad that that worked out 
How much has Kenny Brack been an influence in your career? And are you still with him, whether it's decision-making or just for fun? So yeah, Kenny was actually my manager when I was, from I was 15 until I was 22, 23, something like that. So he was, uh, he, he really helped, uh, yeah, helped me get my career going and, you know, helped me find a way to go out of go-karts to, to racing cars. And, you know, we worked every day together for, for, for all those years. And, and then for different reasons, we, we split up and went different directions and then we don't work together anymore. But, uh, but yeah, he's been, a you know, a big uh, contributor to the reason that I'm here today, you know? So yeah, I definitely have him to thank for, for a lot, uh, over my career. The uh, Europeans, the first thing they say when they bring up IndyCar, at least it used to be, were the walls, like at Indy or at, at Nashville. They don't like the walls so close to the track. You mentioned it was a challenge. Do the drivers feel differently about that now? I don't know. I, I think I, I might be different to, to some other drivers, but I've always love the the sort of more old school type of tracks uh, i i think that the modern tracks with big run-up areas and then you know uh, asphalt everywhere is sort of taking away a lot of what i love about racing obviously we, we need to always push for for safety and driver safety is always top priority and i i appreciate that and i think that's very important but i also think that we need to have tracks that that bites you if you go over the limit you know and 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 that's what I love about IndyCar, that you go to all these tracks where it's like uh, more old school racing. And, and, and that's also one of the reasons why I love ovals as well, that, you know, you don't have any margin for errors on, on the ovals and you need to build up to it. You need to trust your car and, and you need to drive within the limits and, and be as close to the limit as possible without going over it. And that's that part of racing is something I've always enjoyed. And that's why I think IndyCar is something that really suits me and the way I see racing. Well, you've got some really good trainers, so to speak, or some coaches when it comes to ovals and some of these old school tracks, Tony Kanaan, Dario Franchitti, Jimmy Johnson. But there was a picture that was posted this week. You guys were all hanging out in Nashville. I think it was Dario that posted it and it said family. So before we let you go, I want you to determine who is who plays what role in the family the ganassi family of all of you drivers yeah so tk is definitely the clown of the family <laughs> there's no doubt about that dario and jimmy i guess are the the old the old mans uh you know the 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 wise old man uh dixie is still you know he might be pretty old but he's still uh, like a kid you know and he's still as fast as as ever so and then, uh, I don't know, I'm there in, in between somewhere. And then Alex is obviously the kid. So he's the, uh, the, the small kid. <laughs> I guess that's about the, the, the Ganassi family. But yeah, joking aside, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's great to be part of that group. You know, there's so many legends in, in that group. And, and, and the way we work together, the way we, how we get along and, and how we can be open with each other and help each other in all these different uh, scenarios is just, been amazing the big question marcus did you have some tennessee barbecue or did you stick with a good old swedish meatball or a shrimp sandwich there in nashville uh, I, I i missed out on the barbecue actually I, I i had burgers and fries and shakes after my win that was my sort of celebration 
wow. and a beer or two, I gotta admit. Oh, yes. But uh, yeah, I've been on the bike uh, and, and working out uh, after, so I'm, I'm, I'm all good for the weekend leading up now. So <laughs> You have to mention the chocolate. Husky. Yeah, and chocolate, chocolate, of course. Of all, course always chocolate, chocolate after, <laughs> after the races. <laughs> is, pea, is pea soup and pancakes a thing in Sweden still? Ah, yeah, yeah, every Thursday. <laughs> wow. That's true. You're laughing. That's, that Seriously? is like a true tradition. Pea soup with mustard and then pancakes. That's like the Thursday lunch in Sweden. There you go. Okay, duly noted. I guess it is very tasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really impressed you knew about that. Hey, that, that, thank, that is, uh, thank you, Google. Well Google's done. a Google's yeah. a friend of mine, Mr. Google. He's a good yeah. guy, man. Mm. You know. Hey, Marcus. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Good luck to you this weekend in Indy. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show.